My psychic senses are telling me that you are spiritually curious. I'm just kidding. If you found your way here, most likely <laughs> you are interested or curious about energy, the secrets of the universe, the magic of the unseen. There is a lot of conflicting information out there about how to tune into energy beings properly, how to build your intuition, how to cleanse things, yada, yada, yada. I know how overwhelming it can be, so I created a one-stop shop for all of your spiritually curious, psychic expansive self-care needs where you can build your own spiritual practice with guidance, tools, and a safe place to explore your curiosities and connect to your intuition. There's a ton of crash courses covering topics ranging from meeting your spirit guides to trans-channeling to manifesting. You get distance Reiki healings for a wide range of needs, such as moving through discomfort or support stepping into a new chapter or even help calling in creativity. Subscribers get 15% off all full-price services, a monthly group Zoom hangout where the weird is our normal. There are exclusive channeling videos, expansive conversations, guided meditations, movement meditations, weekly reflections, intuitive practices, this podcast, ad-free and as a video, and so much more. New content is uploaded every week, so there's constantly new stuff for you to learn from, digest, and various practices to keep you grounded in your body. And all of this, might I add is only $7 per month. So if you're ready to align to your best self and show up as your inner being, a priceless investment in yourself, you can head over to channelwithamber.com slash subscribe to give it a peek. I'll see you over there. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Diary of a Psychic Medium with me, Amber Amrine. This is episode two of our little weekly perspective shifting conversations. Um, today will be an interesting one, but I'm excited to chat. Here we go. So I'm at my grandparents right now. For subscribers looking at the video version, obviously, I feel like this looks like a traditional grandparents' house. <laughs> Um, my grandparents are at, uh, eye appointment, so I felt drawn to make this real quick before they return. I was just filming a movement meditation outside, um, for, it was one that's, uh, to help move through uncomfortable emotions or just any kind of emotions to help process and move through emotions in the body. And once I finished, so I've been, yesterday felt like the peak, or I had a very big release yesterday of anxiety. Um, it was very intense. It was like a very wonderful release where I like really had to sit with it and move through it like very deeply like it was very uncomfortable but it was I felt like I had a nice breakthrough and I feel like today I'm still just kind of marinating and processing that new like shift you know so with the movement meditation the move or the thing that I was moving through was anxiety and after I was finished I had this really beautiful sense of like being 
being comfortable with discomfort where it's like my with my grandparents house and I've shared stories about it before a lot of weird stuff has happened here this place gives me the heebie-jeebies it has since I was a kid there's some funky energy in here (laughs) and I feel somebody standing right there as I'm talking about uh yeah so after the movement meditation I came inside and it's almost like I felt at peace with the weird stuff here rather than it feeling like I don't know like I had to protect myself or just be on edge it just feels like it would if you were to be walking around a mall or something there's a bunch of people around it doesn't matter they're just doing their own thing you know and that's kind of how I'm feeling right now which is very like peaceful but I was walking from the kitchen to the dining room, um, which there's like a doorway to the living room. And in the living room, I saw somebody standing there. I see things here all the time, so it's not out of the norm. But this one felt particularly heavy, I suppose. So I looked back again, and... I didn't see it, but what drew my attention was my grandpa's walker. The next episode of this podcast is going to be about what we can learn from people that are dying. Because when you are faced with death, there's nine out of ten times, I don't know the percentage, a lot of times people will experience a really big shift. Like it just like gives them a totally different outlook on life, which I feel like is something we should all implement now, you know? Like, rather than waiting for when our time comes, it's like if we can implement that now and cherish life and really just get the most out of it, there's so much power there. You're tapping into the present. You're tapping into your creator energy. Uh, There's just so much power there, so I want to talk about it, but what inspired that idea something is beeping what is beeping something is playing a song I don't know what inspired that idea actually let me make sure nothing's warning me that my grandparents are here hold on okay what inspired that idea is my grandfather is dying and after he stated that to my grandmother that he feels like he's going to be leaving soon there was a big shift in his approach to life he's your typical grumpy old man (laughs) and he's released so much uh since kind of coming to accept that his body is kind of starting to give out so when I had looked into the living room I saw his walker standing there empty and like the presence of his walker without a human being there was very loud and almost felt symbolic of the fact that he will be leaving soon and then I felt a death angel in the home um but there wasn't any fear like it was this very beautiful sense of coexisting and just understanding that like life happens there's a cycle there it's not bad it's just life it's nature 
and that's beautiful like you know death and rebirth that's everything without that like there wouldn't be any new beginnings there wouldn't be progress like that's what helps continuously rejuvenate the collective and um, our souls and stuff like that so immediately after feeling that for some reason I became more aware of like beings in this home and like it all feels so beautiful and just at peace and I felt the need to kind of talk about it and I'm not really sure where this is going to go but I'm just going to kind of word vomit and see what happens. There's a being here next to me. I wonder if I can move the camera. I don't know if he'll show up. I can't do it. Well if you got anything to say you can try to say it through my little microphone. <laughs> His breath kind of smells. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, sorry, dude, you're a little stinky. Uh, so there is a man here who's been here for a while. He feels he had some sort of like labor intensive job. I feel like he may have been a farmer or something. It feels I'm seeing like mechanic type stuff, but he's not a mechanic. I see him working on like a tractor. Um, ah, He sold parts for tractors or something like that he was some sort of salesman um, but he also installed things um he's been here in this location since the 1920s his soul has kind of been stuck on this plot of land for whatever reason um this area seems to be very popular or this area historically was kind of a sacred like burial ground for the like Native Americans, the indigenous tribes that were here before the houses were here now, you know? So this land has some funky stuff and he's essentially expressing that somehow he walked over this land or I don't know if it was his energy or his physical body I can't really tell what I'm seeing but it's almost like a funnel and it just kind of soaked him in and he's been kind of stuck here um, ever since he's explaining that there's this process with the energy here where because the land has been kind of misused you know it was a sacred spot and now like there are homes here and it's just it's, this wasn't the intention there's almost like this mechanism in place where it holds heavy energies to almost like it it's almost like living in like the concept of hell um, or a personal hell where if you do something wrong you're like stuck in that reality for eternity however with this the focus isn't necessarily on the spirits but it's on the people here so it's like soaking heavier energies which will then kind of like haunt and roam and mm, be a part of the lives of the people that are on this land that aren't supposed to be here He's explaining that all of the spirits here don't actually even really care about 
like the humans all of the heavy energies and whatnot um there have been a lot of like funky demonic things that have come out at different points um and none of them really care about the people per se like they don't have anything against the people they're just kind of bored they're like stuck in the house and they can't really leave so it's like i might as well make the most of it and like be spooky you know because they're in a heavy state of mind anyways it's not like they're gonna be like oh let me help let me guide it's like no i'm not feeling good screw you like i'm just gonna like stay in a screw you mentality and like act upon that um unfortunately due to the weight of the energy here it's like they're just stuck they can't really raise in frequency i suppose the option to do that and be released from this like area is possible but he's expressing that it takes a lot ah, it takes a lot of sacrifice because people that um essentially are like ghosts or just spirits that are still on the physical plane are here due to unprocessed things it's like they're very tied to the physical which is why they can't leave so it's the same thing like it's the same thing but a little bit more saturated where rather than there being like rather than there being an easy way to release from the physical like it takes a little bit or it takes a bit more effort and it takes a bit more of a, like complete surrender um which is kind of scary it's like they're they don't want to leave so they don't want to they don't feel comfortable surrendering they'd rather just kind of stay in this weird in between because at least on this land in particular they can like interact with the physical without having to like use very much effort um it's it's a it's slightly different than a regular ghost which would need a lot of effort to like haunt or whatever i know a lot of the heavy energy here has weighed on my grandpa a lot um and he's also kind of promoted its attention so to say so to speak so to i don't know what the phrase is and i don't know why i want to say it but whatever it is and i feel like now that he is starting the process of passing over it feels like they have become a bit kinder to him um because he himself is like loosening up and i think somehow as he loosens it's helping loosen up the energy here this guy uh norm vared Vared? Okay. Vared is this man that is here with the stinky breath. Vared is expressing that... Oh, that's really cool. Because there is so much healing happening collectively, it's kind of starting to heal parts of Earth that are hurting. So this area, for example has been hurting for a while because there was so much energy and sacred intention that was put into it and then it was completely like disregarded and because the collective is starting to raise it's almost like the black hole 
of this location is no longer like bleeding out. It's almost like able to stay connected to the point in time where it was sacred. And it's like right now it's not necessarily used for it. Like there's a different calling that it has. So it's able to like step into that rather than stay hurting like it's there's like it's almost like the way that we heal from trauma where you're able to just kind of keep the past in the past um and just stay present and operating within present circumstances um and it's kind of the idea of like changing the world starts at ourselves you know my grandpa is just one little man and the healing that he's doing here is shifting the energy of this land and of the home. And it's almost like allowing things to just be without expectation, without labeling, like like I said, just like random people in the mall. And that release of needing to control is making all the difference. I feel like in a way this conversation is like a continuation of the last episode, the part two that I just put out. There seems to be a hyper focus on releasing expectation and just kind of allowing things to be. There's a, I think it's a psychological concept. I don't know what you call it, but, and I forgot who stated it, but there's an, there's this concept that there are various states various levels I think there are five maybe of operating um that we kind of go through over time most of society I think is at a level three or four uh, or used to be at a level three we're moving into most adults being at a four and then very few people have been at level five level five would be like Buddha or whatever people that have um number five states that Actually, let me find the actual article. Hold on. It's so interesting. I went out to the other room to get my um, work phone. And the second I walked out of this room, it smells so strong of like Palo Santo. It has that very sweet woodsy smell. Um, Like it literally smells like somebody just did a smoke cleansing (laughs) in the space. And nobody is here except me. And it did not smell like that earlier. That's cool. Okay, I found it. It's um, Robert Keegan's Constructive Developmental Theory. Amber from the future popping on. The article I read was way too dense and was way too hard to digest just in audio as I was editing this podcast. So I'm going to read from a different article instead. This one is called Keegan's Constructive Developmental Theory by Kathleen Taylor. This is a little bit long, so bear with me for the next five minutes as we discuss some good stuff. So Keegan has five or states that there are five different ways of viewing the world, which he calls orders of consciousness. These developmental shifts are not age determined, but the first three ways of knowing, which are impulsive, instrumental, and socialized are generally associated with infancy, childhood, and then adolescence. 
Many adults never develop beyond the way of thinking associated with adolescence, which is socialized. In fact, research suggests that as many as half of all adults in this society do not fully develop a self-authorizing way of knowing. That's the fourth order. And then fewer than 1% are self-transforming, which is the fifth order. The essence of Kegel's developmental model is that each way of thinking, seeing, and knowing is more complex than the last. From what we can discover, there is no distinction between the newborn and its surroundings. What it feels is everything there is, there are no boundaries. The newborn lives in a world in which everything sensed is taken to be an extension of the infant. In this case, out of sight, or touch, or taste, or hearing, or smelling can mean out of existence. That's also why they like peekaboo. When you cover your face, it's like you essentially disappear. <laughs> Sometime during the first 18 months, the child achieves first order consciousness, which is the discovery that there is an I and a you, and that they are separate, that there is a difference between how I feel and what is happening around me, and that objects and people continue to exist even when they temporarily disappear, which is object permanence. But this discovery also implies loss. Until the child was aware of a separation from the world and from objects in it, nothing could be lost. Now begins the lifelong theme of finding and losing, which before now could not have existed. When first order consciousness is fully achieved, the reflexive nature of the infant gives way to the impulsive nature of the toddler. A toddler may dart into the street after a ball, but that is qualitatively different than automatically turning to suck everything that comes near his face. <laughs> Anyone who has listened to a hungry infant wailing, the baby equivalent of I'm so hungry I could die, knows that the toddler's ability to respond to wait just a second, it's almost ready, is a significant achievement. Even so, toddlers still cannot relate to cause and effect or recognize a point of view other than their own. Over the next four to five years, however, the child slowly develops a more instrumental awareness, which is the second order. By the time she starts school, the young child no longer impulsively grabs a toy from someone else, saying mine, or runs heedlessly into the street. Children with an instrumental way of knowing can recognize that their actions may have consequences, can acknowledge someone else's point of view, not necessarily maintain it if it conflicts with their own, and can, even if reluctantly, give up an immediate perceived benefit for one which may be more attractive in the long term. These achievements mark a new way of perceiving, a new worldview, but such transformation is not easy. The next major shift tends to occur around the end of adolescence. Whereas younger children assume, rightly, that parents and other adults are there to meet their needs, as children become more capable, we expect them to develop some self-responsibility and a different relationship to their caregivers. We are asking them to think about the world and their relationship to it in a new way, to see us, among others, as people worthy of mutual care and consideration, rather than simply as potential providers of something they want. There is also a shift in moral outlook. The young school child makes moral decisions on the basis of self-interest. I won't do something naughty because I don't want to be caught. Or I want your book, so if I think you won't notice, I'll take it. By the end of the teenage years, however, we want young people to act morally, not because they might get caught, but because they have internalized their parents' expectations. That is, they have accepted as their own the value system of the wider community. The shift to the socialized mind also means a shift to understanding others' perspectives empathetically. 
teenagers making the transition to the socialized way of knowing, which is the third order, begin to care how their behavior may affect their parents rather than only caring how parents may try to affect their behavior. There is also a change in how the young adult understands the concept of identity, where younger children think of themselves simply as how they are named. I'm Mark or Mary. Adolescents who have made this shift have internalized identification with various racial, religious, and cultural groups. At a mostly unconscious level, they recognize and distinguish between those like me slash us and those not like me slash us. Until well into the middle of the 20th century, it was possible for most adults in this society to live their entire lives within the confines of the socialized perspective. But today's world, including the ever more diverse world of work, increasingly demands a new perspective. It isn't enough to look at the world through lenses of our own community, whether that is defined as race, religion, cultural background, political party, corporate workplace, regional area, or other social grouping. As the socio-cultural surround becomes more diverse, we are called on to step outside of the box that we spend our adolescence struggling to internalize. In fact, to achieve the self-authorized way of knowing, which is the fourth order, we need to look at the socialized way of knowing from the outside. That means no longer being limited to the perspectives that once defined what we thought, and even more important, how we thought. When this happens, we discover that what we once knew, assumed, believed, understood, is not necessarily so. Because what we saw was framed by our internalized ways of perceiving. Instead of seeing something the way it really was, it turns out that it was the way we unconsciously chose to see it. We do not see things as they are, we see them as we are. People at the self-authorized perspective realize that they must construct the ideas, beliefs, and values they will live by and accept responsibility for making those choices. Self-transforming consciousness is currently achieved by so few people that we will only mention it in passing. Because it doesn't really explain it, I'm going to go back to the original article, which is called Leading One's Life Consciously and On Purpose, What Does Adult Development Theory Have to Do With It? by Chris Risley. Risley? In the fifth level, you have learned the limits of your inner meaning system and the limits of any identities you might hold. You start seeing more similarities and overlappings between the inner systems of other people. You deal better with controversies and paradoxes. You see problems with different decision-making systems, admitting that there may also be a better one than you currently hold. One of such problems can be that your system can contribute to your inability to see better alternatives. So in the fifth level... In a nutshell, it's basically like you are able to hold two opposing opinions and see the truth in both of them. I feel like, so while the fifth is reserved for very few people, I feel like there are a lot of people, uh, a lot may be a stretch, I feel like pe there are a lot more people pushing into the fourth order and slowly trickling into the fifth order where things can coexist with peace. Like everything's correct. There's beauty in everything in all perspectives. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like with this shifting, just with this sh collective shift, even in the energy here right now, it feels like everything is just coexisting. Some things are quote-unquote heavy. Some things are quote-unquote lighter. I feel a certain way. You know what I'm saying? But they're all like honored together in this very beautiful state of operating. 
or just, it's just like we're all parts of source in one way or another. We're just different colors, you know? And I think the need to really deeply live such an experience is becoming more and more necessary for our planet and our collective to hit a place of harmony. I don't know if this is just because this is what I'm experiencing and I'm projecting that out, but with all of this shifting happening collectively, what I've been sensing, and I know a lot of other intuitives have been sensing, is we are going to a place where we will be like, I guess people call it 5D. Uh, well, yeah, it's 5D, but it's like we're going to a state where like the human humans will be like their own collective. I mean, technically we already are, but like a high vibrational collective and not this weird like heavy thing um and I feel like a big key to that is coming to it's like in order to release from the physical and from the heaviness the weight here you have to not get stuck with like heavy stuff like you don't need to to sit with the weight and like let it stand on you or sit on you and like you know suffocate you you don't need to do that you can acknowledge that it's there and that's all that needs to happen you know like cool that's experience it's, own, it's oh my gosh I can't talk that's experiencing its own reality beautiful awesome I'm experiencing mine we may like interact or something may like have me experience whatever that is there may be a shared experience or a shared collaboration you know but we're still separate it's the concept of like rather than when you're hurting saying I am hurting I am stressed I am anxious I am experiencing pain I am experiencing anxiety it is not you it is not who you are you don't need to claim it it is an experience it's a collaboration with a specific type of energy and that's it and you can leave it at that you know Go on a walk, talk to it, cool, hang out, and then it can go home. And I think in the same sense, we tend to define ourselves by external situations. I am Amber. This is my arm. This is my foot. This is where I live. You know, I was named by my parents. It's not necessarily my soul that like resonates with it or you know what I'm saying? We come to resonate with it. There's a purpose for everything. There's like an energy in names, but sometimes people don't resonate with their names and change it or, uh, you know, it's just like these are labels that I have been given by society. I am more than that. I am my soul and I expand far beyond my life and experience here in this society. So why am I defining myself by this tiny little nugget, by this tiny little like thing, this little present reality, this present lifetime? I am more than that. What if we claim our identity by that, you know? And I'm not saying, I mean, if... I, I think when it comes to spirituality, 
I feel like it's very important to have a balance. And this kind of goes into the fifth order of thinking of like holding multiple um, perspectives. But I think it's important to still be grounded somewhat in the requirements of the 3D as well as the requirements of the energetic and find a bridge between those. Because when you're able to find a bridge between those, you're able to help the 3D move and heal, you know, rather than being completely detached from it. That's also why I think a lot of souls that come here that are meant to heal and help others go through trauma. It's almost like by being in that, you then raise out of that and you're able to kind of help others do the same um, versus somebody that has never been in that. They obviously can't like go down because they just don't understand what that experience is and vice versa. If somebody's just stuck in the heaviness, they don't understand what it's like to not be there. So I think that finding a balance between that is important. Um, so in claiming yourself as a soul, you know, I think it's still important to be like, yes, my, if somebody asks who I am, I'm going to be like, I'm Amber, I dance, I'm a psychic medium, I whatever. Yeah. But deep down, I know that I'm more than that. And you may come across people that are receptive to going deeper into that. But I think also just being mindful that when you speak, it's like, yeah, this is just kind of how I'm presenting myself right now. But that's not everything. And I'm going to show you that. Like, I think it's like living through your purpose um, and living, just l allowing the world to see who you are and what you have to offer. Um, we aren't here to just be stuck in the rat race of society. We're here to really sit in and deepen our soul's like experience. You know what I'm saying? which is far beyond just working. Like if you have a job, your focus should not be on just getting the job done because that's secondary. What should take priority is how you're showing up and interacting with the people around you, how you're feeling, what you're doing to help yourself like stay tuned into yourself so that you can just allow your heart to shine through. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. I don't know where else this is going. I think that's about all. <laughs> I think I've said what I have to say. Uh, Fred, is that his name? Ouch. It's like pinched my ankle. Um, take away the fall. Take away the fall. We create our own reality. If you could do anything you wanted, knowing that you would not fail, what would you do? You create your reality. Fucking do it and don't fail. <laughs> there you go. I think that's what he just wanted me to end with. <laughs> Take that how you want. All right, my friends. Thank you so much for listening. I love you. I will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to Diary of a Psychic Medium with me, Amber Amrine. To learn more about me, my work, and such, you can visit channelwithamber.com or follow me on Instagram at channelwithamber. A special thank you to Unicorn Heads for my theme song, A Mystical Experience. See you next time.